Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thanks for listening this Monday, June 21st, 2021. Topics on today's episode include more M&A news from Aquin, Compliance Monday with Michael Dunn, and Federal Reserve expectations after its meeting last week. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, Candor. Have you heard of Candor yet? As you'll hear shortly, they're gaining groundswell for their dynamic, adaptive, and automated underwriting engine. Today I head to Orlando for the Mortgage Bankers Association of Florida's 2021 Secondary and Convention, which is approaching 250 registrants. Maybe you can hear a background noise in the airport here. The live and in-person events are definitely increasing as we move through 2021. The focus on the first portions of the conference will be on recent FHFA, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mac moves, risk management, private label securitization, the economy, and capital in general. Families out there are guarding their capital, much saved last year. Each year, the average American household spends $2,471 on real estate property taxes. With such high costs, it's no surprise that more than $14 billion in property taxes go unpaid each year, according to the National Tax Lien Association. Hawaii has the lowest average real estate tax at $606, which is roughly nine times lower than in New Jersey, the state with the highest tax, at an average of $5,419. Blue states, traditionally Democrat, have 31% higher real estate property taxes, averaging $2,722, than red states, which are traditionally Republican, and average $2,076. For links to those stories, as well as the latest on employment, broker and lender services and products, and events and training, visit robchrisman.com. The big continue to get bigger and eliminate competition, and the smaller, well, are taking chips off of the table. The latest example is Aquin Financial Corporation's wholly-owned subsidiary, PHH Mortgage Corporation, entering into an agreement with Reverse Mortgage Solutions, Inc., and its parent, Mortgage Assets Management, LLC, to acquire substantially all of the operations, assets, and employees of the RMS Reverse Mortgage Servicing Platform. Mortgage Assets Management is a subsidiary of investment funds managed by Waterfall Asset Management, LLC. The company will also acquire all of the outstanding equity interests in RMS real estate-owned business, REO Management Solutions, LLC. As a reminder, PHH owns Liberty Reverse Mortgage already, and Aquin, while headquartered in Florida, has offices in the U.S. Virgin Islands and operations in India and the Philippines. Under the terms of the agreement, subservicing contracts for the reverse residential mortgages currently subserviced by RMS would be assigned to PHH. As of March 31, 2021, RMS serviced approximately 35,000 reverse mortgages, or approximately $7.8 billion in unpaid principal balance. As part of the transaction, PHH expects to assume the vast majority of the RMS reverse servicing and REO employees, and PHH will become the subservicer under a five-year subservicing agreement for reverse mortgages owned by RMS and mortgage assets management. The aggregate purchase price is estimated to be approximately $12.4 million and will be subject to certain post-closing adjustments. The transaction is expected to close in the third quarter of 2021, subject to appropriate regulatory approvals and other customary closing conditions. Welcome to Compliance Monday, sponsored by ActiveComply. Its cloud-based solution helps you engage with social media safely and meet your compliance and archival requirements. Easily find and monitor loan officer social media from one unified platform. On this episode, I'm speaking with Michael Dunn, General Counsel at FCB Mortgage. You there? Can you hear me? Yep. Gotcha. Sweet. Um, so let's, uh, let's jump right in then. So we are, we're about half a year 
almost half a year into the the new administration in Washington. Now that they've settled in, what do you see as the administration's biggest agenda items regarding mortgage compliance? Well, I take them at their word um, that they are committed to increasing homeownership opportunities as a way to address the racial wealth gap in America. And we see kind of a uh, emergence of this word inequity that the Biden administration keeps using and in particularly um, the new HUD uh, director Fudge that has been appointed and, and is going to be conducting a fair, a fair lending webinar um, in the next few days. And so more will come to light after listening to that webinar, but the Biden administration has made very clear that their agenda is surrounding the advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government um, policies. Is there anything that they have mentioned they're going to address right away? Well, uh, on the president's memo to the acting HUD secretary concerning discriminatory housing practices, he mentioned specifically um, that there seems to be a persistent undervaluation of properties owned by families of color. So I believe that one of their um, high priority agenda items will be to address valuations, you know, specifically appraisal policies and practices and how those uh, homes in those areas have been undervalued. So I believe that that is a high priority for HUD and the Biden administration. Another thing I wanted to ask you about here was, uh, it seems like Mark Calabria, director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, has been in the news a lot lately and not necessarily for the greatest of reasons. We've seen, originally it was Fannie and Freddie were going to implement a 7% cap on second homes, non-owner occupied properties. And now we've heard that it's going to be limited down to 3% for those that may be exceeding 7%. It's all up in the air. It, it's worrying lenders. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit and, and what you're seeing from a compliance perspective? Well, from my desk, I'm monitoring the Supreme Court decision in the Collins versus Mnuchin case, which directly impacts FHFA leadership. And if, depending on how the Supreme Court rules in that case, Calabria may not be the acting, the current FHFA director for much longer. And so, um, the Biden administration has said that they're committed to re- reducing the racial wealth gap and the FHFA uh, rulemaking is, is a big part of that. Um, what I'm hearing that they are potentially implementing as policy changes are a reduction in LLPAs. They're saying that LLPAs uh, results in a discriminatory practice um, or discriminatory impact. And so we believe that the reduction of LLPAs and the, the way that they're going to address second homes and investment properties in particular will allow for ease on pricing to allow for more uh, folks in the lower to middle income range to qualify for those second homes and investment homes um, in addition to reducing or eliminating altogether LLPAs. So we'll see how that goes, but we believe that it all kind of turns on this Collins case, which kind of holds Calabria's future in its hands. And that'll be certainly interesting to watch. So we talk about the FHFA there, which as I said, is the Federal Housing Finance Agency. One administration, it gets confused with a lot, is the FHA, which is the Federal Housing Administration. What's new with them? 
So the FHA has indicated through a mortgagee letter previously that DACA recipients, for example, are now eligible for FHA financing. Um, under the Trump administration, that was something that was hotly debated for a while, and then um, FHA came out and said DACA recipients were not eligible. Well, they've reversed that. Um, in addition to HUD's disparate impact rule that was um, rescinded under the Trump administration, has been reinstated under, under this new administration. But I'm really looking forward to uh, Marsha Fudge's uh, webinar, which will take place on June 24th at, at 2 p.m. And I encourage compliance folks and operational folks, credit folks to listen to that webinar because it seems to be that they, their main agenda item is to uh, discuss advancing racial equity and home ownership. And this topic um, will be addressed heavily on that webinar. And so let's let's just tick off the boxes here. We talk FHFA, we talk FHA. The other big, uh, I guess, bureau for compliance officers is the CFPB. What is the latest on the consent orders with them? From my desk, what I'm looking for is probably a resurgence of rulemaking by consent order practice that was under the Obama administration and the leadership of Rich Cordroy, which kind of took, um, it eased uh, in a sense under the Trump administration. We believe that that could be resurging here under the, under the Biden administration. But we know that what they're looking at are things like, how can we serve limited English proficient consumers better? Um, what is what should be our affirmative advertising rules to disadvantage groups? What are what, what are our expectations regarding advertising for lenders to to disadvantage groups? How are we going to address sexual orientation and gender identity discrimination? We believe that that's going to be a part of the CFPB's agenda. Um, public assistance, down payment assistance programs, and then machine learning. A lot of lenders are using robotics to to push through the uh, push through the products in their system. How do those algorithms and the code res potentially result in disparate impacts to underserved populations? Um, and so we're, we believe that those issues are going to be addressed in fair lending exams. And we're looking out for consent orders to make sure that we're staying on top of our policies. Great movement last week was dominated by the Federal Reserve meeting statement, along with updated economic projections and their influence on the expectations for continued elevated inflation. While the committee made no changes to monetary policy following its two-day meeting, the updated dot plot, which illustrates members' opinions on the future level of the Fed funds rate, reflected more members' views that rates will rise sooner than previously expected. Additionally, the economic projections revealed a higher forecast for core PCE for the remainder of the year, as well as a significant slowdown in GDP in 2022 as the bump from this year's fiscal stimulus fades. While the Fed funds rate may not change this year, expectations are that the Fed will begin to wind down asset purchases towards the end of 2021 after providing markets with ample notice. After a brisk sell-off following the meeting statement and press conference on Wednesday, mortgage pricing bounced back on Thursday, although still finished the week worse. While the Fed maintains its willingness to let inflation run a little hotter than it would like in the interest of supporting full employment, Persistently high inflation will have to be addressed in the form of tighter monetary policy. On Friday, we saw a May retail sales report that highlighted the continuing shift from goods to higher contact services now available due to increased vaccination rates. After a year of spending on home improvements, 
Consumers seem ready to increase spending at restaurants and health and personal care retailers, as well as clothing stores. Will headline sales decline? The declines were primarily on motor vehicles and parts dealers and building materials and supply stores, both of which benefited over the last year. Housing starts rose 3.6% in May, as demand for single-family homes, townhomes, condos, and apartments was strong. Although pricing increases for building materials as well as shortages have led to delays for many products, producers across the economic spectrum continue to face inflationary pressures for raw and finished goods with producer prices up 6.6% over the last year. These inflationary pressures will continue to weigh on the financial markets and their expectations for future rates. Unlike the period following in the previous recession, where the markets and policymakers were waiting for inflation to materialize, inflation is here, and policymakers will need to act if it does not subside as they initially projected. This week's economic calendar includes updates on housing-related data, durable goods, market PMIs, with PCE and Michigan sentiment on Friday. FedSpeak picks up after last week's Fed events and includes Chair Powell testifying on the pandemic tomorrow afternoon. Today's calendar is light on data with just the Chicago Fed National Activity Index for May. The desk of the New York Fed will purchase up to $4.1 billion of securities backed by conventional loans. We begin Monday with agency MBS prices a shade better lower and the tenure yielding 1.43% in the very early going after closing last week at 1.45%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I find elevators terrifying, so I'm taking steps to avoid them. <laughs> Thanks again to Candor for sponsoring today's podcast. I look forward to hearing more great things. Want to know more? Go to candortechnology.com. Tell them Robbie Chrisman sent you. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.